Welcome to Southwest London Vineyard. If you are visiting us, do go and see Barbara on the welcome desk and get a little goodie bag. Um, it's got some great treats in there. My name is Mike and I am on staff here, along with Manny and Sinead and James and various other people. Um, I oversee a lot of the Sunday teams that um, get this place set up and make sure that you are comfortable and caffeinated on a Sunday morning. Um, sorry? And warm. <laughs> you had to go there, Beatty. You had to go there. I apologize for the lack of heating. Um, if, if the fire alarm goes off at any stage over the weekend, it automatically switches off the gas, and they've got to get the caretaker to come in and reset it, and it happens quite a lot, apparently. Um, the heating is back on, so the radiator should be warming up, but it takes quite a while to warm up this room, so if you come back for the sing-along this evening, it should be warm. Um, I also manage our community center, the yard, which is just a couple of streets across from here, where we run a job club every Tuesday, we run a food bank on a Wednesday and a Sunday, we run English language classes, and a little fish mums and babies group. Um, if you wanted to get involved in any of those, do come and speak to me, we're always keen to have people from the church involved. We have people from the church, we have people from the local community all getting involved and helping out, um, and we're just here to, to serve the community. So do come and see me if you, if you want to get involved. As, as Sinead said, Neil and Kate are away this weekend. They've taken a bunch of people from the church down to a place called the Oast Houses in East Sussex. So I have the privilege of sharing with you some thoughts on Advent this morning. Last Sunday was the first Sunday in Advent, so Neil was speaking about gratitude and gave us some great practical tips on how to be grateful for what we have and who we have in our lives. So if you missed it, do go and check out the podcast on our website. Um, looks a little bit like that. You just click on the little Advent thing, brings up the talks. Uh, do check it out. It's very, very useful tips that he gave us. So today is the second Sunday of Advent, and I get to share with you on the subject of patience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had that reaction a lot this week when I was... Um, I mentioned it to our house group. They all packed out laughing. Everyone on the staff that I mentioned it to packed out laughing. Clearly, patience is not something that I have a lot of, so we're all going to be learning together this morning, hopefully. So let's begin by looking at James chapter 5, verses 7 to 11. The words should come up up there. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. 
As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Let's pray and then we'll, then we'll get going. Father God, we, we thank you for your word that you sent to, to correct us and to guide us. And we thank you for your son Jesus, who you sent to die on the cross for us, to take away our sins. And we thank you for, for his, his return one day, Lord. We thank you for the promise that he is coming back. And we, we open up our hearts to you this morning. We pray that you will come and speak to us, that you will come and change us, that you will come and mold us more into the image of Jesus by the time we leave here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what James is talking about here, which we'll get to in a minute, is being patient while we wait for the return of Jesus, which, after all, is what Advent is all about, preparing ourselves for the return of Jesus. But let's face it, this time of year requires a lot of patience, whether it's waiting for Christmas to arrive so we can see if everyone's stuck to the list this year, or maybe we're teachers or students and we're waiting for the end of term. Maybe we're waiting for family to arrive. Or maybe we're waiting for family to leave. If you try driving anywhere around London over the next few weeks, you'll need a lot of patience. Or over the last few weeks with all the roadworks and burst pipes and things that have been going on. Um, some of you grew up in houses where you weren't allowed to open a present until you got home from the Christmas morning church service. That's real patience. Someone I spoke to this week has their birthday on December the 25th. So they have to wait a whole year to get any presents. Someone else told me that they used to open all their presents before Christmas day and then rewrap them again. <laughs> She's clearly lacking in patience, um, and I can attest to that. She is lacking in patience. Um, <laughs> I'm not naming anyone, but uh, some of these people may be in our house group. <laughs> so, whether you're shopping, traveling, or working, we all require a lot of patience at this time of year. And patience is not something that comes naturally to us in today's modern world, of instant messaging, fast food, fast track boarding, quick checkouts, instant noodles. We can even get one-hour Amazon deliveries these days if you live in the right areas. Wherever we turn in today's world, we have instant access to a whole host of goods and services. So it's hardly designed to teach us patience. And it's not just this time of year. In some way, we're all waiting for someone or something in our lives whether it's a new job, or a new house, or a new car, or a new husband, I mean, or a husband or wife, or, or a baby, or a grandchild, or just for this sermon to end so we can all go and have lunch. Um, we're all waiting for something, and we all require patience. The Spanish have a great word for it. Um, there's many in the room. He's not, and that's fine, so he won't slaughter me for mispronouncing it. There's a, the Spanish have a word called 
espere, I think it is. Espere? Yeah. Which means to hope, to expect, and to trust. All wrapped up in one word. Um, which I think sums up Advent. Yeah? Sums up Advent pretty well. I mean, to hope, to expect, and to trust. So, we're going to watch a quick video by a guy, a theologian called Stanley Harwis. I don't think he's got a terrible surname. Um, and he's, but he's got some great thoughts on Advent. So, um, watch this short video quickly. Again. But uh, the Jews are the promised people, and uh, we Christians are witnesses to that promise. We're Jews. Christians um, want to think that, I mean, rarely is Romans 9 through 11 seen as crucial to Advent. But uh, the Jews are the promised people, and uh, we Christians are witnesses to that promise. Uh, we participate in it. And uh, what the Jews uh, have to, um, uh, what the Jews have had to do is to learn through Christian persecution. Um, how to live and survive without an army, without a land, um, um, using, uh, becoming a people who have had to learn to survive through prayer. I understand the state of Israel is a contradiction to a lot of this, but it's a debate within Judaism itself. In other words, <clears throat> the Jews had to learn to live for 2,000 years of Christianity the way Jesus wanted us to live. <laughs> so, <clears throat> by to recapture Advent is to recapture a sense of what it means to live as a people in a world which has taken the time of God's patience not to live the way Jesus made it possible for us to live. So um, Advent is the recovery of how to live in a world of impatience as a patient people. I think one of my ways of putting it is that um, since I, I'm a pacifist, so uh, I say um, um, that Christians are called to nonviolence, not because we believe nonviolence is a strategy to rid the world of war, but in a world of war, 
as faithful followers of Christ. We cannot imagine being anything other than nonviolent. And that will make the world possibly more violent because the world does not want the order it calls peace exposed as the violence it so oftentimes is. Now, learning how to wait as a people of nonviolence in a world of war, you'll know what Advent is. <laughs> Advent is patience. It's how God has made us a people of promise in a world of impatience. And, um, and, and Christ has made that possible for us to live patiently in a world of impatience. He's pretty much done. The rest is just for sure. Um, it's... You okay there, Mark? Okay. Um, I love his, his, his thing. Is, you know, we, we've been called to be a people of patience in a world of impatience. Um, anyway, getting back to James. So, James, chapter 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. So, as I mentioned earlier, Advent is a time for us to reflect on the second coming of Jesus, the glorious and magnificent return of the Son of God. Jesus has promised to return, and we stand firm on that promise as our mate with the hard surname has just been, just been saying. As Christians, we are bearers of that promise. James likens it to a farmer waiting for his crops. And for those of you who don't know, I used to be a farmer back in Zimbabwe in a previous lifetime. Um, and there's a lot of hope and patience required when you plow a field, you lay down fertilizer, you sow the seeds, you wait for the rain to come, clouds build up every day and then the clouds disappear build up and they disappear. Eventually it rains. And the whole time you're thinking, well, is it going to rain? Have I planted the seeds too deep? Have the bugs come along and eaten all the seeds underground? Eventually, you wake up one morning and there's all these little green shoots sticking up through the soil. And within no time, there's just rows and rows of shoots. And um, Our hope in Jesus' return is much like that. We are hoping for something or someone that we have not seen. It's described in, in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, as, far as, I'm an, as far as I'm aware, no one in this room was alive 2,000 years ago, so none of us have actually laid eyes on Jesus. Yes, we've seen his work in people's lives and in our own lives, but none of us has actually seen him in the flesh. But we hold on to that promise that Jesus is returning. And when Jesus says, sorry, when James says the Lord's coming is near, it's all relative in God's time. We were discussing it at house group this week and someone summed it up like this when they said, 
God's only deadline is the end of time. Um, God, God makes us many promises, but he doesn't always promise when things will happen. So when James says the Lord's coming is near, it's, it's near in God terms. But we live with that hope, we live with that expectation, and we live with that trust in Jesus' promise to us. As you were saying in the video, we are carriers of that promise. So moving on to James's next point, as I can see some of you growing impatient and thinking, okay, Mike, we've got the point, keep it moving. So verse 9 continues, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Theologian N.T. Wright once said this on, on the subject of patience. He says, we applaud patience, but prefer it to be a virtue that others possess. Um, it's easy in our waiting and in our impatience to turn on each other. I'm the youngest of, of five children, and when we used to go on holiday, we used to drive for two days to get to the South African seaside. Um, so it involved seven of us in a little car with all our luggage. As the youngest, I had the privilege of sitting on um, the handbrake with, with a... <laughs> don't worry, I had a cushion between me and the handbrake um, <laughs> with one leg on either side of the gear lever. Um, yeah, health and safety was... Um, was not a big concern back in the early 80s in Zimbabwe or South Africa. So we used to drive for two days like that. And after two days of driving, it's pretty safe to say that patients had um, worn pretty thin in the car or was non-existent in some cases. Um, and the slightest incident would cause a row. Often it was my dad going, stop kicking my chair. Um, or one of the siblings going, he touched me, or she's looking out my window, or um, sometimes he farted again, please open a window. Um, and we can be the same as we get busy with life whilst waiting for the triumphant return of Jesus. But James is urging us here to be patient, to be kind to one another, and not to grumble against one another. And then he adds in a little warning in there, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Our actions have consequences, and he's warning us to guard our actions here. Impatience often leads to frustration, which usually leads to anger. And James is warning us to watch how we behave in our anger. Something I should probably bear in mind next time someone cuts me up in traffic after I've been sitting for an hour, hardly moving. Um, and we, then, we, we are then called to persevere. So continuing in verse 10, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. I was chatting to, to one of the dads in our house group this week who likened this to putting his two-year-old son to bed. And whilst there's some joy in the fact that you 
because he, he, he works from, away from home for a couple of days a week, so there's real joy in the fact that he gets to put his son to bed. So the joy kind of wears off after about 45 minutes of standing there with a hand on top of his son, because every time he takes it off, his son calls, calls out to him. So he just, he's got to stand there with his, with his hand on him. Um, and he explained that he enters a state of what he called resigned acceptance. Acceptance that this is going to take as long as it takes, but that his son will eventually fall asleep. And he can go and then watch, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Um, and perseverance involves us having that resigned acceptance that we cannot hurry the return of Jesus. In fact, most theologians would argue that we do not want to hurry his return as we meant to use this time to prepare our hearts and purify ourselves for him. Joyce Mayer puts it well when she says, patience is not just the ability to wait, it's how we, beha how we behave while we are waiting. Our waiting is not the passive waiting we do in, in a doctor's or dentist's waiting room. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. We're not sitting around grumbling and passively waiting for the day Jesus comes to rescue us from our boredom. Some of the last words Jesus spoke before he ascended to heaven to take his rightful place at the Father's right hand were these, which you probably all know pretty well. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus, just before he leaves the disciples doesn't say to them, now go and sit with a well-worn copy of People magazine and wait for me to come back. No. Sorry for those of you who love a good up-to-date copy of People magazine, but his commands to us involved active waiting and not passive waiting. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So we need to go and not just sit and wait. It's most likely that Jesus' actual last words come from Acts 1, verses 7 and 8, where he said, It's not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. It's much easier having patience for something when we know the end time. But as Jesus explains to his disciples, it's not for us to know the time or the dates. So we cannot just sit around going, well, my appointment's at 11.45, so it should be any time now. As we read, the Holy Spirit has given us power when we invited him into our lives. So we need to be witnesses from the doctor's waiting rooms to the ends of the earth. So, let's bring this all into land so we can go and have some lunch. As we wait for the return of Jesus, how are we to wait? So first of all, we wait with patience. Patience with God, patience with ourselves, and patience with each other. While we're waiting, we are called to stand firm. Jesus has promised he will return. And we stand firm on that promise. We're the bearers of that promise. We're witnesses of that promise. Don't grumble. 
James continues on in this verse, when, in, this, in this chapter, when he, in verse 13, he says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Next, we are to persevere. We're in this for the long haul, so just stick with it. And we're called to get stuck in. We're not called to sit around passively waiting. We're called to drag as many people into heaven with us as we can. So get out there and do it.